record. Hello, everybody. I think we're live. Welcome to Monday's Solid Ground live stream, November 13th. Uh, I think we're like number 44 or something like that. And it's nice to see you all. Nice to have Jody here with us today and Benjamin. No David Bye. for a little while. We're going to have, we're going to be missing David. I think we said so last week, but he's got a lot of really intensive schoolwork. So he's needing to take some time off from this. Does anybody want to try to do David's role and tell us what <laughs> solid ground is? Oh, oh yeah. Jody, you want to do it? Yeah, if I can. Oh boy. Blurb. The blurb. <laughs> Way to be prepared, blurb. folks. Blurb <laughs> That's how we, we roll. Go. I got it. Solid Ground is a peer support community. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't do it. Solid Ground is a peer support community for anyone concerned about the imposition of critical social justice, aka woke and or COVID mandates in their workplace, university, school, or community. We offer weekly online peer support groups in which we share ideas, thoughts, and support as we navigate the impact of these ideologies and seek to answer the question, where do we go from here? You can join one of our groups for only $5 a month. To find out how to join, please visit solidgroundsupport.com. Please note, Solid Ground does not provide psychotherapy or legal advice, and nothing we do should be construed as such. Excellent. Spoken like somebody who wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's nice to see you all. And we have, um, I guess, I guess it's been quite a weekend if you're online, if you're on the Twitter world. With, it depends uh, on what part of the Twitter world, too. I guess so. So what part of the Twitter world might our we... Corner, our corner. What's, what's our, yeah. What is our corner? Benjamin, you want to tell us what our corner is? Well, you guys got a leaky corner. This is the thing. We have to understand <laughs> that like, there's all these different like networks and stuff. It's like we're looking at a universe. So a lot of people that are probably listening to this have no idea. Like all they're right. not connected to that, if they are even on Twitter. But if you are on Twitter and you follow at least Leslie and myself, but I don't know to what extent uh, the rest of you all have been engaged in this then you might be more or less aware of what's going on but in this very particular corner that has to do with uh, gender and then in within the subset of gender it would have to do with gender critical uh, subset and then the i guess trans skeptical subset and the gender critical is a wide tent and it was kind of founded by people who describe themselves as radical feminists, but radical feminists themselves are constantly um, kind of tooling with their alignments. It's kind of a tribe, but it's a very rowdy tribe, and they're kind of always kind of positioning themselves in, in different ways. And then there's a core set of radical feminists who perpetually um, adopt a identitarian stance that they are speaking for women and anybody who agrees with them is valid and anybody who disagrees with them is misogynist and it doesn't matter if you're a woman or a man and you disagree with them because they're representing and standing for women um you are somehow against women even if you are a woman so there's there's uh within the radical feminist clade or the the you know that group of feminists there is a um just a way of thinking about opinion that is very rigid and that is not able, it, it's really difficult for them to admit to any sort of flexibility 
or humor uh, to a certain extent. And they can tend to, when they jump on a topic, kind of rule it um, and and rule it in, in a certain way, like kind of like um, kind of force discourse into their terms of engagement, which are like, you're either with us or you're a misogynist. And that same tact has been taken from them and used by trans rights activists and uh, critical race theorists to also enforce their subgroups uh, will upon the rest of discourse. That's the I, overview, but we can I get into a what happens. Questions yeah. about that. <clears throat> First of all, what is a radical feminist? What makes somebody a radical feminist? I don't really know. Jody? I know. Okay. <laughs> R.I.P. Magdalene Burns, by the way. Okay. Um, and oh god, yeah, I remember Magdalene. Holy cow, I was a big fan of hers. Um she would make fun of the she 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 was great. She had this YouTube channel. She's she's passed on but and peachy yogurt there were a bunch of early rad femmes talking about this stuff or, or not earlier but talking about this stuff early on so a radical feminist as i understand it there's three benjamin you can help me out there's three like tenants right there's porn pornography prostitution and the gender the gender stuff um what? the gen gender critical of gender that they so anti-porn against porn, against prostitution, don't want to legal it, legalize it, it's wrong. Um, and then the gender stuff is wrong. That this, they, they actually, my understanding is that they actually agree that gender is constructed, um, is socially constructed. They don't think sex, then, but they do tie it to biology that you, this, this gender role is imposed upon you because of your biology and therefore biology is very real. Like you can't change your biology but that gender roles are socially constructed by the patriarchy. That sounds very reasonable. Would you? I, I don't know. Gender roles, in a way, I, every. Well, sorry, we can talk about that later. I mean, there is a division of labor, also that's tied to our bodies, right? Men can't have babies, so that automatically there is some division of labor there that's kind of natural. You could argue. I'm also wondering if this might not be explicit, but is there something that there's kind of a not so positive feeling about male sexuality? Like, it seems like there's something about- You think? Like, Benjamin's smiling, yeah. <laughs> Something's not okay about it. Is I, I detect- Somebody in the chat, uh, UI Win says, I would say female slash lesbian separatism is a big tenet of radical feminism. Hmm. A lot of them do seem to be- lesbians <laughs> it would i think it would it would be very um we just uh get into a cul-de-sac if we try to split hairs over the category of radical feminists but it is important to kind of give the lay of the land but there are a bunch of subgroups and we can describe their behavior or kind of like their desire like what, how they want to affect the world right as a political uh group they want to impose their will based on their values on the rest of society and and that is a value neutral well it's a, it's a value laden statement but everybody does that we're always trying to do that so i'm not saying that they're wrong for wanting to do that that's just what we all well, do it's also very woke too you're right like it's um because this notion it's like that uncle tom thing like like this radical feminist stance of the patriarchy is kind of infused into everything and if you don't if you kind of if you go along with it and you don't fight against it you're you're perpetuating it 
and you're participating in it and you're kind of it's internalized misogyny kind of like that whole notion like is very familiar to the the crt stuff i think yeah. and like the yeah, notion the, of white fragility and, and if, if you're not talking about your white fragility then you're participating in upholding white supremacy it's a similar that's what you're talking about right benjamin um there's different tactics that they adopted early on that have then been used against them. Um, and that's one of the tactics. So before, if you look at like anti-wokeness, that it's um, that's downstream from anti-SGW content. I'm just talking like YouTube content, anti-SGW cringe compilations, um, then became anti-woke, um, more solid arguments as social justice kind of spread through the institutions and took over discourse more and more heavy hitters so-called came in and started to uh, fight or argue against it and that's where you have the switch on youtube at least from these cringe compilations and kind of these scrappy upstart content creators to people like john mcwarder and glenn lowry and the idw and all that stuff comes on the scene but the what they're against is the it's kind of the same it's derived from social justice warriorship which is also derived before that was like feminist compilations and the feminist anti-feminist stuff that was going on back in the culture wars of 2014 with Gamergate. And so it's all the same type of tactics that are being used that feminists, um, that, that, that certain types of feminist activists use are the same tactics that are used by what we call the woke and the woke have taken it. And because of the way that it works, the feminists got their way, and so they're the part part of the power structure. As James Lindsay uh, spoke at the conference, the feminists said that we are the vulnerable. Patriarchy is the superstructure. We need to um, we need to you know deconstruct patriarchy in order to liberate ourselves from this uh, you know our oppression. And then it went from gender. So they used the concept of gender to do that, and then gender was used to deconstruct sex. Like okay, well now these women are part of this patriarchy. Like trans rights activists actually blame gender critical feminists for like as uh, not blame but they ascribe them patri they're, they're part of the patriarchy and the patriarchy is imposing these gender roles that are based on sex on everybody and so the same sorts of tactics the same sorts of identitarian and identitarian tactics are used by by the radical feminists what we're calling for the sake of argument right now radical feminists and the trans rights activists and the crt um activists and probably even like these Palestinian activists too, like these decolonizing, uh, this decolonizing movement uses the same tactics. This is James Lindsay would call all of this the same thing. He would call it Marxism, where you just you, it's the same Marxist program. You just swap out class for gender or sex or uh, all these different uh, things, but it just affects the revolution over and over again. And so the feminists kind of are what we're calling feminists right now. They kind of are getting it from both sides. They're trying to use the tactics to regulate other people's behavior in their way, like the, the superstructure of, of culture, but they're also like getting eaten alive by the trans rights activists or the trans um, acceptance movement and which are a lar lot large number women, you know, and that's why all the women orgs, uh, all the official women orgs are now pro trans um, because they're following the same kind of trend. That's where turf came from. And swerf. Do you know what swerf is? No, I've never heard that one. 
What is sex that? Sex worker, sex worker excludes or exclusionary radicalism. Yeah. Oh, for fuck's sake! <laughs> so yeah, it is a kind of like an an eating an eating life. Wow, Benjamin, you're you're um your work is really you are a cultural critic, aren't you? Mm, I don't know, no? Leslie. What would you say? I love culture. <laughs> I'm a culture creator. No, no, I don't mean cri criticize. Yeah. I think like you analyze it and synthesize and like contextualize. Mm. That's what I mean by critic. Like, yeah. Well, I've been steeping this. It's really funny because uh, Leslie, this is Leslie's first foray into this phenomena <laughs> that is uh, that I've been engaged in perpetually since I started entering into and documenting the gender uh, issue. Um, that radical feminists or what we're calling radical feminists right now, they have a tendency on a slow, slow news day to have a moral panic about the smallest little misbehavior on behalf of a man, like whether the man is wearing the wrong article of clothing or making a funny joke or like just a sentence. They, they focus a lot of their aggressive outrage on men. And it's just like this, it'll happen every three or six months it's been a while for me since I got in the thick of things, but it, it would happen perpetually. And Leslie's now seeing the full magnitude of, of this uh, swarm. Well, but I don't behavior. see it quite as I, I, I mean, I kind of have a problem with the, the idea of the, they, this putting people in these big categories, because I wouldn't say that every single person that's been uh, kind of nasty online recently. I'm sure they don't all all identify themselves as being in the same category. They all have their each person's an individual with their own individual problem. And there's this this. I think that the the ability to be swept up in a in a group rage is something that has been around a lot longer than radical feminists have. So to ascribe all of this to just feminists is, I think, to pin it on in in the wrong place in the timeline. This is what we're seeing is like people are getting caught up in an emotional storm and then well, acting in this dehumanizing nasty way yeah i think benjamin's just saying this current iteration of revolutionary whatever you want to call it this current iteration was feminism i i don't disagree I with like that the first, the first wave of this current cultural weirdness but yeah, There's you're right. of men doing it too. Though. Yeah. Uh, male feminists. Well, I think what feminism. Think feminism is interesting uh -uh. because a friend, a friend pointed out to me that feminism. I don't know. Maybe this is a this is a discussion, I guess. But where, how did feminism really? Feminism came about at least second wave. Second wave feminism is specifically what I think Benjamin's referring to. Second wave feminism because of the pill. Um, or largely, with largely, you know, sexual revolution, all these cultural currents were happening around the same time. And who, where did the pill come from? Big Patriarchy. pharma. Yeah. Big pharma. This is like, I start going down the rabbit hole when I think about this. So I'm like, hmm. No, the pill, that's a really interesting one. I'd love to talk with somebody who's done some research on that. Cause I do think it's a, been a, a, I think the, um, uh, the normalization of of pharmacological technology into our lives is really dangerous and it's become sort of a standard that young women will be on the pill and i think that it has such an impact on our feelings and our behavior that we're not 
that we're not acknowledging. I can't imagine how much of a change that's created in our culture. Well, I mean, think of, think about what we were talking about right before the live stream about morality and mm-hmm. how we, how we approach sex because the pill can't, I mean, they're yeah, condoms, but now that we have the pill. Now the, the woman is now, cause we're always the ones who potentially are, are have to worry about pregnancy, right? Worrying about pregnancy every single time you have sex, even before, even with condoms, like you're kind of dependent on the man, right. To, to make sure, but like with the pill now it's like, Oh, sex. I don't, you're removing this huge piece. That's always been attached to sex. Like I don't have to worry about pregnancy. So now that changes the whole rules of the, of engagement now with sex. Like now I, I'm doing it for, I can do it for any number of reasons, some of which may be quite healthy and, maybe moving toward some of people moving towards more connection with somebody and some people like using it for all kinds of other reasons to for avoidance or to be liked or god knows what else i mean it, i think it changed the entire sexual landscape and it was kind of concurrent with the sexual revolution well i think it changed things in oh. some cultural ways but also in some biological ways because messing with people's hormones that changes the individual and what they're attracted to, what they're interested in, you know, it changes so much more than just the overt stuff that you think the, the, like the benefits that are being sold along with it. But there's also these, these changes that we're not aware of in what it does to our structure. Well, I think a lot of, I don't like people aware of the depression and mm-hmm. it lowers your libido in some mm-hmm. ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's all kinds of- and, it, and then it gets into the water. <laughs> yeah, is yeah, that what we're talking about? All these physical implications, Let's many see. of which we probably don't know about. Oh, so there's somebody in the chat who wants to get right into the conversation about the AGP. Georgina Whitby. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, Georgina Whitby says... Uh, it says platforming a self-proclaimed fetishist in his fetish gear at a conference on children and youth treatments isn't an issue of mere clothing. A self-proclaimed fetishist in a dress isn't equal to every other type of man in a dress, and the former has no place in deciding what happens for children. Don't be too vicious in judging those who lack manners because of their battle-worn stance. I I I will say the very first word used there, platforming. I have a problem with that right off the bat. I just I don't, I'm so tired of the censorship. What does that mean? It's it's a criticism that I had a conversation with Phil Illy and had uh, put that out yesterday, and uh, I I just I, I'm like that's just, so in- yeah please can, man just um just Georgina might be talking about genspect platforming okay Phil, maybe the, okay. the way that they did that was in two ways just for the sake mm. of the recording one they um put his book on a list of uh, recommended reading that they have since removed and uh the book blurb is kind of curious we can go into that it's kind of curious i think that that actually um gives foundation to the arguments of uh, against phil uh, the blurb that he very likely wrote himself. And then secondly, they tweeted a tweet with him, well, they X'd an X with him and a detransitioner. And then there was a trans uh, woman, like full-blown trans woman right behind them that, no, that everybody's nobody said anything um, about. <laughs> yeah. and so that they retweeted that tweet and just uh, just showing what the conference is doing. Like, here's this mm-hmm. person with this person, this person, this, this person. Also, we should mention that from what I know, 
and I may this might not be completely accurate, but from what I know, one of the last speakers at the conference who was a detransitioner um, went on Kelly J. Keene's podcast and said that Phil's presence as a man in a dress triggered her trauma around uh, men, and she felt very unsafe. What about the trans women? Was she bothered by the fact that there were trans people there as well? Trans women and trans men? I know people have gotten mad that I've used those words. I will be very specific about what I mean. Males who have who have made cosmetic and surgical and hormonal changes to themselves in order to present more feminine and vice versa. So that's what I mean by those words. I, I do not know that. That's a good question. And there, I think that when we talk about... so. For anybody who doesn't know, there was a GenSpec conference in uh, Denver. GenSpec's purpose, stated goal right now, is to provide an alternative to medicalization for gender-distressed youth, specifically, and gender the gender dysphoric or whatever more broadly. They want to provide a very solid ground for non-medical interventions. Uh, and their conference and their 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 goal is to have a wide as wide an umbrella as possible of people that are willing to engage on this topic and some of them are medical professionals some of them are psychologists counselors coaches all the other words that you guys have for sitting in a room and talking to somebody with a very nice voice tell me your inner thoughts and then there's detransitioners there's cultural critics uh, such as myself james Lindsay. Um, there's biologists there's researchers of all different stripes so an organization like Sagum is very targeted to talk to and for and with medical professionals. Genspect includes medical professionals, but also a lot of other types of people with a lot of different other opinions. And there's a lot of parents there too, uh, you know, in varying, varying states of uh, dealing with their child going through this process. It was an open conference. You paid, five, I guess it was $500. Uh, and then you had to pay for your room and board, except for the speakers, of course. The speakers you know, are there, so they get paid varying amounts. And Phil Illy bought a ticket. Phil Illy is a self-professed autogynophile, which means that he has some sense of an inner femininity that he is in love with. And there is a sexual component or compulsion involved in that. But in his book and in insofar as I've spoken with him, it's much broader than just a sexual fetish for him. It's actually an orientation. This is just how he orients himself to the world. And desire, erotic desire is a compulsion, is part of how we orient ourselves to a world and actually informs a lot of the decisions that we make in the world, including, but not limited to, how we dress. And so a lot of the radical, a lot of the people who are against him are saying that he was wearing fetish gear as though a him wearing a dress was the same as him wearing a ball gag and like triple Z prosthetic breasts. <laughs> like it's all the same thing. <laughs> it's all the same thing. And so, and, and so he, because he says that he's getting off on, or there's a sexual component to his wanting to present femininely is then subjecting other people without their consent to his sexual fetish or to his unhealthy sexual uh, sexuality. And that then, so when you get down into the weeds, the question I have is how do we police, should Genspect have a dress code? And if, and if so, then how should that dress code be based on sex? To what degree do we police each other's 
dress based on sex and how far do we go with that how do we navigate that do we want hijabs for men men should just be wearing like what just like you can only see men's eyes so so you know this is a man and he's danger to you at all times you know or but but also should we be more professional in our dress or not well so i want to just point out georgina responded back and said platforming is misused by censors i don't want to censor anyone the difference there's a difference between the public square and centering people in conference contexts. And then she also says the worst thing about this stupid spat, it's distracting from the real debates. And I would agree with that second one, except that I think the process is the point. And the point for me is the mobbing. It's the nasty behavior. It's that, that same, that same kind of, I'm not going to listen to anything you have to say. I'm just going to be mad. I'm going to make these false equivalencies and be angry about my false equivalencies. And I'm going to force my, it, it's, I've just seen such nasty behavior over the last couple of days. And it's really shocking from people who have big accounts, who have a lot of followers and post a lot of like reasonable things who are allowing Ooh. themselves to engage in these lower level behaviors just because they feel strongly about something. And I think the idea that you can set aside your morality because of your feelings about an issue is a problem. Well, that um, being the question, what is morality, right? Yeah. Like, is it based upon a principle that can be applied to every situation or is it relative, which is a woke, kind of a woke thing, but it doesn't have to be just a woke thing. Like, is it contextual? I suspect that people that are behaving and acting out in any way considered whether they were behaving appropriately, right? Like they're in reaction mode, right? So I don't even know if anyone's considering whether they're behaving in a way that they think is mm, right. in alignment with anything, right? There's just like freak out. And you're not allowed like to point out to ride on with everybody else being disturbed. You're not, you're not allowed to point out the inappropriateness of their behavior um, or the emotionality or irrational. Well, I am not, maybe you can, but I know what they'll do to you. It's like, Oh, you're playing the emotional woman trope. They already, they're already running a script where you can't critique them in their appropriateness, but they're allowed to critique you. Well, a lot of them have been men. You're not being appropriate. I'll just say it's not all women. Well, this is the bigger issue too on, on all these fronts, right? Where anyone who feels like they're in the victim position or the oppressed position can have, thinks they have the permission to just behave in any sort of way as though they're just not subject. And this is on almost everything we're looking at, whether it's from crime or what's in the Middle East, whatever, right? Like there is this Russia, like- Ukraine, it, this has I'm happened not, yeah, over I'm not over subject again. to this anymore, you know? This just keeps happening. I just keep watching with, I'm, I'm just like, continually disappointed in in people that i don't know it's just like lower your expectations every single, jody every single i know right every single time there's a an issue I, it, people just immediately scramble emotionally to into their corners you know and i'm like but how did you get there so fast like what i don't even like do you even understand what's going on that fast like it's just like and it seems to be aligned along fault there seem to be fault lines and yeah, it's just like some of these issues are really complex. And I'm like, well, how do you get so emotional and so angry? Like when I'm like, do you even know? Like with the, the Ukraine, Russia, Ukraine thing, I remember I made a comment on Twitter, Benjamin, I was driving around Northampton one day and all of a sudden I see all these Ukraine flags everywhere, like everywhere, everyone's flying one. And I'm like, it. so I made a, a, a quip on Twitter. I just said, I see a lot of Ukraine flags around. It's like people cheering for their favorite sports team. And 
people were like really angry like how dare you this is such a horrible thing it's like well i wasn't really commenting about the actual issue i was more commenting on how people it felt like people were treating it like all of a sudden like go ukraine like it's like do you ever even connect it to ukraine i don't know like i didn't even know there were that many ukrainians in in northampton or like it just it just felt like this feels like a woke thing again like kind of um like i was i was more kind of commenting on the the the, what i felt to be kind of a shallow emotionality you know and but people miss that nuance i guess (laughs) when you're emotional you tend to miss the nuance but it feels like this has been happening a lot and it happened for me too my my big wake up was with the mandates and the lockdowns like merely expressing some skepticism i i wouldn't say i'm against this or i'm for this i was just like maybe we should be asking some questions about this and just the the vitriol i was like wow people have already locked in and this side and that side yeah. i think that's what you're talking about leslie like this like quick rooting mm-hmm. into a side mm-hmm. well and like I- the, the last chat, the last thing that just pops up in the chat, Gen X-Ray says he knows exactly what he's doing. AGPs are ignoring boundaries because of sexual fetish. Why are you defending his kink with the same be kind and attacking women's feelings? And that's the thing is like, I'm, I'm, I'm not. See what I say, you, can't, you can kink. never criticize tone. They can police well, dress, but yeah. you can't police tone. No, be and I, I wouldn't defend time, his, every single time. his kink or whatever. I don't, I'm, I, if, if we're talking about like, our own values our own perspectives i probably think a lot of things are kink and are outside of the boundaries of of good sexual morality that many people think are very normal i mean i've got a very conservative morality around this but i'm i want to hear people out i want to meet them where they are and and hear and understand and not ascribe things to them that they're not saying i want to understand with openness and i'm curious about these things and i don't necessarily feel like it's my place to be making judgments about these things and some of the arguments that i've heard are they just are exaggerations or misrepresentations and that irrationality is the part that i'm calling out it's the 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 attack and the irrationality is the thing i'm i'm calling out not the no i'm not trying to defend someone so, yeah. a lot of mind reading too right like definite mind reading but so yeah isn't there some boundary to like isn't there a sense of like we were talking right before about well if you didn't know that this person if this person hadn't come out saying i i have agp and this is my thing like and it was just another guy in a dress like would you feel the same way and it's kind of like it reminds me of like i don't know like at some point you have to be responsible for your own feelings like if if somebody elicits a feeling in you for whatever reason whether agp or you just don't like the way or they remind you of somebody that hurt you a long time ago um at some point like you need to take care of yourself right if if it there is a line between ascribing responsibility to this other person for your feelings right there's kind of a codependent it feels a little codependent to me and it feels I, I don't know i was gonna i was gonna say something i forgot what it was like so it's kind of, you know what let i me, mean let me, let me try to um specify this complaint about the fetish so if 
if a man in a dress is not neutral, it's not a neutral signifier. So it's a social signal and that signal can be read in several different ways. One person might think it's ridiculous. One person like ridiculous, like I'm going to ridicule you and laugh at you in your face. You know, uh, another person's like, well, that's kind of odd or what well, that, that grabbed my attention. Why is he wearing this? So like curiosity, like, Oh, what's this? The, like, what, what are you, what are you doing? What's going on over here? Um, another reaction could be, this man wants to perform a fetish in public and he wants me to look at him getting off on dressing like a woman like that that's that's another interpretation that would fit along this spectrum to what degree or extent is that particular response um valid and how to what extent should uh, society say okay you know if if this is triggering for this subset then we should probably respect this person over here who's really triggered to what degree does phil is phil responsible for the reactions that other people have it's not zero we're all mm -hmm. responsible to have for how okay. we make people feel. so yeah, no, no, it's, a dynamic. it's not zero or i want to ask a question though this is the question is that there this seems to be the problem isn't he's in a dress it's that he's openly talked about agp and but according to his his uh his hypothesis is that most trans people at least most trans women who are men who are are presenting as as female ish um are the well whatever I'm, i've gotten in i've gotten so much trouble recently for that word so i don't know how don't, to use it right now don't let them control your speech <laughs> okay. just say it and if they misinterpret okay. make fun of them okay so uh if if he's correct that 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 this is the same ideology behind most men who transition is is this agp orientation that's what he says then the only difference between phil and the other trans women in the conference would be that he's open about it and hasn't medicalized. And so it's more offensive to see a man who still has, who still identifies as a man who isn't trying to be a woman playing with his gender than it is to see a man who has done medical alterations to himself and now says that he's a woman. So, so this is kind of interesting. And this is the crux of this for me. It's that there's more, like you, you mentioned in that particular picture that was so offensive to so many people right behind him is a trans woman right right behind him is a man who has transitioned to present as female who is presenting full female and that causes no problem for people even if that person and we don't i don't know i'm not going to project this onto that person but if according to phil's um you know hypothesis there's two etiologies there's either he was a homosexual and transitioned or he's autogynophile any transition. So the problem seems to be with the presence of a man who is not claiming to be a woman, but playing with women's appearances. And But the problem is, is because he's signifying that he is a danger to women, that he's making women feel unsafe. And it's inappropriate <laughs> and it's callous of him to not take their feelings into account. And but I if don't he's think... not someone who would invade women's spaces because he's yeah. not he's not going into the restroom because he's still a man. He's and if he's, he's a pitching woman. a tent in his moo-moos, then... <laughs> this reminds me of um, in New York. I lived in New York City for many years. And every once in a while, you get a guy on the train who unzip his pants and, and start jerking off and, you know, stare at you or whatever. 
and there obviously that whole thing is i was speaking to benjamin like do am i doing this to elicit a response like doing that I think that part of the getting off is because you're trying, you want to elicit this like, oh my God, like you, you like, you, they're getting off on that, doing it in public specifically looking at a woman to try to elicit some response from her. That's the sexual thing for them. So right. in my mind, it's like, well, they're going to do what you can't, like, they're going to do what they're going to do. They're going to say their AGP, they're going to jerk off, whatever. Like the response is either like, oh my God, and run away and they, they get off. Or you could just look at them and be like, really? Well, and Ash, Ash Brown says it's not, he's not playing with gender. He's aroused by what he's wearing. It's not a style choice. And my question, I think that that's an important question is, does a person who has a fetish also have a humanity? Do they also get to make style choices? And could say. there be room for him to also choose to to dress in a certain way that you don't like why wouldn't like people are walking around with that stuff all the time they might not announce it they, there could be like any number of people sitting so, in a playground staring at children and getting off like leslie and i were in hawaii and we kind of got married but after that we went to a beach <laughs> <laughs> and 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 the beach was amazing. <laughs> Leslie was like, this is the cleanest sand I've ever felt. You like, you put it on your toes. And it, it was black sand. It was this black sand. So it was like crushed volcanic rock and it would brush right off. Um, and we were there and I, I walked over to get, I was looking, I thought we'd left something somewhere. So I walked over to another part of the beach and there was this, uh, this, this girl, this young woman, probably in her early twenties with this huge booty. And, and I should never leave was, you alone at the beach. I, and her girl, her her girlfriend was taking pictures of her booty, and the booty had these like <laughs> little black sands like imprints on it, right? So she's wearing this bikini, she's wearing, the, she's got this booty, and then she's they're taking pictures of her with this black sand <laughs> on it, and and I knew right away, I I clocked them as Instagram models, right? So <laughs> they are they're pr producing in public sexual content, right? <laughs> yeah. they, they are, they're elicit, they're trying to elicit a sexual response from their followers because that's what gets them attention. And that's what makes them viable. Now they themselves aren't getting off on that, but you probably know they well, may maybe or may not they be are. getting off maybe, or what? maybe that, that they are, but yeah, what it, for certain they're off? getting attention because men, they're eliciting men's orgasm or erotic attention so, so there's there's a feedback loop so it's more acceptable for in our current culture right now it's more acceptable for a woman for a woman to elicit erotic attention in public than it is for a man to express his sexuality in public right it's it's it, it, so this is this is just the asymmetry that i'm interested in is that are the women who want to tell phil based on his sexuality i'm sorry are the people who want to police Phil's dress because it's a sexual signifier willing to police women's clothing by ascribing to women intent in wearing yoga pants and wearing halter tops and not going around with a bra and showing ankles. Like to what degree do we start to police people's dress based on erotic attention? So Abracadabra, Abracadabra so, calls out Abra that they're not being predatory well now you get to the power thing right men have more power therefore men 
you start to get into that. Like, why isn't it predatory by women? Well, because men are, because men are bigger and stronger. I mean, you start to getting, getting into that. Men are that. the active ones. Deborah, well, are you muted? That probably, muted. but the women aren't. <laughs> Deborah, right? the first part of you cut out. Could you say that oh, again? Sorry. Well, I'd say that the men are probably on average liking to see the women doing what they're doing, but the women with the man don't want to see it. So it's, there's an asymmetry there. I want to see it. <laughs> I enjoy I enjoy that kind of thing. Which kind of thing? The butts or the the men, man in a dress? Man expressing, well, I don't really get off on a man in a dress, no. I didn't um, have a creepy feeling to it. I th I told Benjamin this like last night. He's like, "Well, you know, we were talking about how people responded and whether there were women at the conference who felt uncomfortable." And I thought there were. I said and I, yeah, I understand that there were, but personally, I don't think that that's a universal. I saw him and I thought, wow, he looks like fun. I mean, he's got bright blue glasses and he's got these bright, like blue arm things. He looked like a raver kind of, he just had this fun, hipster thing going on. And I didn't, I didn't get that, but then I'm, I'm leaving room for people to feel differently than me about if, it. If, if, if a gay man, if a gay man expresses himself flamboyantly and maybe it's kind of sexy like freddie mercury or kind of on the edge of acceptable dress right is it it's not it's probably not as threatening to women but it's the same sort of sexual signal he's getting off on looking a certain way or his his erotic uh, orientation is informing how he expresses himself in public but it's not ascribed the same value because it's not violating women Right. So so the, the issue isn't whether or not he's acting out his sexuality. It's that some sexualities are um, make women, some women uncomfortable, some sexual signals make women uncomfortable and others don't. So it's not just it's, it's OK for women to wear yoga pants. It's OK for a gay man to not wear a shirt or whatever he wants to do. But ball gag is too far right like uh bondage plays too far furry plays too far agp is also too well, far everybody because... has too far the lines are different places for different people which is why i don't know this whole thing reminds me of the woke stuff like you're responsible for me being uncomfortable therefore you need to change your shit it's like well sometimes you're going to be uncomfortable around people that's what it that's just yeah. discomfort is part of life and it's like at some point, like, when do you ask somebody else to, you know, you have to do this? Um, well, you're, I, I you're don't, I don't think that it was appropriate for a man to have an erection at the Genspec conference, a, a visible erection. I think we Did can anybody? rule that out or that men happen? using women. No, okay. it didn't. Well, yeah, happen. I don't think it's appropriate for a man to be in a girl's locker room with walking around with an erection either. Yeah. Um, I think we have some, like. There is a line reasons but that's yeah. an actual like behavior as opposed to i don't know how somebody's See? dressing yeah, it's pretty murky yeah See? i'm curious what jennifer <laughs> thinks we haven't heard from jennifer yet <laughs> <laughs> um I feel that I am a very, very boring person right about now because just the conversation in and of itself makes me feel like I have been drugged. It, it's just, um, huh. I just think it's all really <laughs> flipping odd. I find the whole thing terribly, terribly 
odd. Um, and that's nothing against anybody, but I'm allowed to find things odd. And I just find it odd. I find all of this, um, I'm really, you know, men who want to dress as women. I find that odd women who want to dress as men. I find it odd regardless of if it's identity or if it's autogynephilia. I just think it is genuinely really very odd. And so I always feel a little bit tripped out in these um, conversations. (laughs) I don't have anything terribly wise to say other than I'm, surprised that it's gotten to the point where it's, you know, I know this stuff has always gone on, but it used to be so fringe that it wasn't in the forefront of our minds. And now it's more sort of at the forefront of our minds. And I find that disorienting. You know, know, it feels a little more like, yeah, like sometimes it's like, it's, it's almost boring in a way when people like this guy, Phil, I don't know. I haven't met, I haven't seen him. I don't know what his vibe is, but there seems to be like with some his vibe is not predatory his dress i I understand that certain women are triggered by his dress more like look at me look at me look at me look at me and in a way that's kind of like that that kind of person is like he also does circus performing which is kind of (laughs) part of that yeah so (laughs) um you know i guess my my own personal bias in all of this is that I think that the medical procedures people are doing in order to cosmetically change themselves are really harmful. And I think that they're, um, that's the part that concerns me the most for people is this. Yeah, absolutely. This medicalization and the fact that I think it's really unethical for medical providers to be selling this to people and doing these things to the extent that we're seeing them done. And then I have questions about what's the slippery slope? Where is it okay to have cosmetic surgery, cosmetic procedures and where, where's the line? And I don't know what the answer to that is. I think that's a conversation that's important to have, but to me, what I, I guess, to me, what what I saw represented in this person was somebody who is has a stop, has like a for whatever reason he's decided there's a backstop on this. I want to play with this thing. I want to feminize, but I don't. I'm not going medical, and that yeah, represented a good thing to me. I, yeah. So so maybe it's just yeah. because I'm so biased about my concern around the medical stuff that yeah. seeing seeing somebody represent okay, well, we can find a middle ground where we're allowed, like it's, and it feels like it's the yeah. thing that we've been saying for a long time is play with your identity all you want, play with your clothes all you want, but don't call yourself a woman and, and stop the, stop hurting your body. Yeah. No, so I think people absolutely, that. no, I think people absolutely have a right to explore their own sexuality and their identity. And I think that's part of, you know, especially in young people, it can be really part of growing up and figuring out who you are. Um, but yeah, of course, knowing what we know now about the effect of puberty blockers and hormones and these surgeries and how they really don't offer people what they purport to offer. I have big concern with that for people. Can I, can I jump on that point? So at the, at the conference, I had a, I had a, a quite a deep conversation with a completely passable trans woman or trans identified male completely Mm. passable other than the height you would not have known the voice um the you know the cheekbones like the the hair the movements uh just totally passable and this person was there uh this person uh has a pretty high job and uh pretty prestigious institution um 
but it's just completely under the radar and was there had made this had made decisions very fascinating story and they opened up to me and we had a deep deep conversation and I, I really pressured them i asked really hard questions about what they were doing to themselves and the choices they make how their choices affect the people around them and how their choices affect their ability to connect to people around them because it is a major thing and this person was completely willing to talk about they were they were there at that conference to learn more mm. and and to be open and the conversation that we're having about phil I think it's an important conversation and I, I in in time, I, I want to actually like suss out, like if we're going to police boundaries and if this is a safeguarding issue, how do we rationally decide what, what, what normative behavior should be? Because I think that we all have normative behavior, but if we do this in the proper way, if we navigate towards a place where everybody can feel safe being there, then people such as that trans woman or trans identified male can then have a place where they can really deeply see what is motivating their behavior. What is, what is, and we can all see what is, what is healthy behavior? What's not healthy behavior. If this person has a compulsion to present as a woman, what's behind that. And can they do go through the process of understanding why that is without a bunch of people calling them an evil fetishist yeah. who, who's just going around assaulting women by looking like a woman. That person that I spoke to was a really kind, really gentle, really deep thinking person was not in it for the, maybe there's a sexual compulsion there somewhere, but the compulsion was way down there and in public, it wasn't about getting off at all. So if everybody's put everybody who's AGP or who's non-homosexual transsexual is put into the bucket of fetishist and should be ridiculed and driven out of polite society I don't think that that's, I don't think that that's beneficial. I don't think that that's yeah. beneficial to that, those individuals mm -hmm. or to society in general, because you're going to have a lot of males <coughs> who are going to lash out on that. And it's totally unacceptable that autogynophiles are going into women's bathrooms and women's shelters and women's locker rooms and getting off on that. That is a true phenomenon. Mm -hmm. Yeah. These men, there are a lot of men who are getting off, who are literally ejaculating to mm -hmm. the thought of doing this. Not mm -hmm. all men who have the sexual compulsion take it to that level. Right. Just like, I don't, I don't, I, I, while a woman, I'm sorry, Leslie, while a woman wearing <laughs> yoga plant, while a woman wearing yoga pants in the grocery store is pleasing to the eye, <laughs> I restrain myself and I even look away, especially if Leslie's right there, because I don't want her looking away. <laughs> so, Sometimes yeah. he points them out though. So. <laughs> Sometimes they're really pointing at me point they really want me to point at them oh. like they just like but doinga you know see so if anyway. we had my sexual morality benjamin that would not be okay <laughs> poppers in a cock ring that's all oh, i'd have jeez <laughs> <laughs> yeah well that that kind of talk seems like consent right when you were talking about like going into a locker room and none of the women want them there but like using the status as like i'm i'm, I'm actually a woman you know respect my gender to ejaculate like that's not a consensual you're like including no. other people and you're creating this dynamic where the other people don't didn't consent to it well, that's like, what that's the that's right? what the that's what the critique that's, of phil is he's right he didn't i, I, get, that. His, I yeah. get that yeah so where's the line Where's the line and how do we, how but do we But is know? he getting off in that moment? Like he's not jerking off, right? Like, 
Well, because all I know online. is that the publicity for his book, the 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 detractors of him have boosted his the footprint of his book. Like they have given his book oh, yeah. a whole bunch of attention. So either way, he comes out ahead. Either way, he comes out. Well, ahead. that's the new PR. Model. All of us can. All of the. <laughs> hopefully, all of us can can actually like drill down on these issues and allow for our um our priors to be questioned. Allow for us to have these uncomfortable conversations. And to kind of come to some sort of consensus, or at least some sort of flexibility around this, where we can make reasonable determinations on how we expect other people to behave, because we can't not yeah. expect other people to behave, to dress, to express themselves within a Overton window of appropriateness. There is that thing. So who polices this? How it is policed is the real conversation, as far as I'm concerned. Rad fems of anything, but it does seem like, yeah, coming back with, you know, we do actually believe there should be norms of some sort. Um, we actually do care about safeguarding. I can see probably people that are upset about paraphilias are immediately thinking, well, if we let this okay, then it's going to be minor attractive people and then it's going to be whatever. So I don't know how much like a leg, you know, really just saying like, yeah, yes, like there is there is a line that we, you know we we got to find it, but like yes, I agree with that. You know, not maybe where you're putting it. That's an interesting. The minor attracted people. So let's put this argument. Like, let's say somebody comes out. I'm my, I'm a minor attracted person. I'm a map. You know, is that the like? Is that where we would say, well, you can come do this? They might pass a background check. They might not have ever actually done anything with a child but they're out saying i'm a map they're inside their own brain they're attracted and they might not have any any intention is that person somebody be like oh no you can't you can't go on the playground like well, and the same thing with pedophilia pedophilia in general like love of children like it doesn't the there's a distinction between behavior acting it out and just it being in your own head and i would say racism as well somebody's racist inside their own head having racist thoughts like hating people just because of their skin color that's is that an actual threat like isn't the the behavior is the thing that's concerning the, what what i would bring into the conversation is that we are in a our culture whether by design or just by the slippage of degeneration celebrate it's not enough to have a sexuality you have to celebrate your sexuality so in a world where pride is like shoved down our throats in a world where um there's a huge social capital for children to come out as trans it's a different conversation so something like a orientation uh such as like uh, pedophilia in this current environment you gotta be really careful because if it's if it's not just that we're gonna tolerate this, it's that we're gonna celebrate this, and everybody's gonna yeah. be on this bandwagon. So until we fix the cultural uh, trendiness of these of of celebrating sexuality, we have to be really doubly careful. Now I'm not saying wood chippers, but they're you know like, I'm not saying wood chippers, <laughs> but I understand that people are saying yeah, let's bring out the wood chipper because we're, we're we we've allowed these perverts to take over more and more and more and more and more of our cultural capital and 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 to abuse our children more and more and more where is it going to end there's got to be a line here so I, I so when it comes to the maps i would really be careful before mm -hmm. venturing to where those monsters are and well it does seem like part of it is the part of the it is that you get into trouble when you say the quiet part out loud and that's kind of the thing with with the Phil thing is is if he didn't say 
this mm -hmm. thing that is so untouchable in the in the gender conversation, then it wouldn't have caused the stir that he caused. I wonder What's why his really attraction to a woman and assault on that woman. What's that? to what degree why? is my feeling of sexual attraction like actually an assault on the just the feeling? No, it's not at all. Zero, zero extent. Now, if you engaged in behavior that made somebody really uncomfortable, like obviously leering, especially at a woman who can't get away from you, someone who's like stuck in a business meeting with you, someone who's stuck in a subway car with you, and you're leering and your behavior is making the person uncomfortable, then I think it's a problem. But if you're behaving completely normally, but thinking all kinds of outrageous thoughts in your head, I think that's that's completely allowable within your own brain because that is a private domain as far as yeah. I'm concerned. But well, I also want to say, I also want to say like in reference to this, you know, this, this moment, and hopefully it's only a moment, but I doubt it that we're having in our culture where everybody's sexuality and everybody's identity has to be constantly celebrated. I think that is the the biggest problem with all of this, because I think people have a right to how they think and feel about these things. And to demand that somebody else celebrate you, to me, is just the height of narcissism. We don't get to determine how other people see us. And somebody may very well genuinely feel and believe that they are the opposite sex from that which they're born in. And I think that is their business. But to try to tell everybody else, you must also believe that and you must celebrate it is just um, a, a violation of people's individual rights. Hmm. What ties to this too is just how much is in the public sphere, right? I'm not saying everybody mm -hmm. go back into their closet, but there is this like, everything is in the public sphere. I'm going to just show you, you know, not just like Phil, but like there's this general mood of, I'm going to tell everybody everything I do and everything, whether it's celebrated or not, as opposed to when it used to be kept much more as a private sphere. Matter. Yeah, just, yeah. Just, like dump the contents of my entire mind out and everybody knows. Yeah, I think it's, well, that's a whole trend anyway. Like all our photos, and videos, everything's on the, we're, we're outsourcing our True. inner at a very rapid rate. And intimacy, I think, is this notion of privacy and sexuality, it's like, that's, to me, that's sexier than having every, like, if it's all out there, like, how is, how do you, how is it erotic anymore? I don't know, there's something about intimacy that I feel like is under attack. And I felt very concerned about this for a while. Like, that's our ultimate connection with another human being. And that's kind of being, we're kind of outsourcing that. I'm like, that's, that's just more disconnection. Like, the, the, the one you know I yeah we're dis we're dissipating it by spreading it yeah. out so far instead of it being concentrated yeah. so it and combustible that's right but yeah it, when it's private between two people it's it's powerful for those two people when you when you get in there and kind of we're outsourcing it like spreading it all around that it's it's no longer we're no longer powerful those two people are no longer have that little power unit and i think i don't know if you're conspiracy theorists like me uh <laughs> it's on purpose and, and along with the like the sexuality stuff like the lgbtqia to celebrate celebrate As somebody once said like in the whole in the wokosphere that is the only identity that is one can opt into all the rest are like fixed like skin color your mm. uh your cl class i guess your ethnicity like 
that's the one so it's like it's almost like recruiting or something for the wokosphere i forget who said that it was it's like a more numbers or something sorry i can't speak intelligently on this but the intimacy thing really really bothers me i mean people and, that we have people are increasingly just having sex online and not even with other people increasingly with ai video game vr goggles and losing the ability i mean Leslie, you touched on porn you know young men like some of them have never even had sex they're 30 years old because they can't that's disturbing mm-hmm. can i say something that'll get me in trouble you absolutely <laughs> Um, the same mechanism that uh, enables, let's just say a man for sake of this argument, the same mechanism that enables a man to get off on a virtual representation of sexual activity through the internet is the same mechanism that allows a woman to get off or to experience a state of, re- of arousal, seeing a, dre- a man in a dress at a conference thousands of miles away and feeling unsafe about that. Like this projection of my own personal limbic system into mm-hmm. this world where these things happened over there back in time that same <coughs> mechanism is allowing the, this really heightened state of arousal arousal meaning negative or positive to occur and people need to learn to control their emotions and really try to work to plug their limbic system into reality into a intimate relationship into their own space of you know whether or not they are in danger but in in a constant state of arousal whether positive or negative it's going to burn you out and you're yes. not going to be able to do anything or really engage with the world around you because you're always yeah. going to be in a heightened state oh no ukraine oh no covid oh no yeah. autogonophile yeah. on a mountain yeah. he was on a mountain <laughs> he was right there and they're platforming it's not same you know or like or you know like in the other way with a man like cooming all the time right Right? It's just like, we need to come back, unplug from the matrix, touch the grass, ask for consent and touch a booty, right? Eat the mushrooms. <laughs> touch a booty. Touch the grass. <laughs> but no touching booties in grocery stores, Benjamin, unless it's Leslie's. Yeah. yeah no. where are you? I don't know where you are. PDA, yeah. Jennifer, PDA advocate. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll have to leave it at that. Jennifer's got her group and I've got to get my Thank kids to tutoring. Thanks everybody for joining us. And thanks in the chat. Thanks. All right. Love you all. Keep it up. <laughs>